if you will, than what we are going to try to tackle this summer. It's my privilege, and maybe it's an audacious goal, but it's my privilege to try to explain who God is this summer. And each week, we're going to take another piece and kind of look at that. Some of you are saying, is that even possible? And it may not be. I don't know. We'll see. But I do believe that we can get some nuggets of truth along the way. Some may be saying, well, does it really matter what we believe about God? God is who He is, and it, it doesn't really matter. And I do believe that it makes a difference what we believe about God. What we believe about God doesn't change who God is. We understand that, right? God is who He is. But what we believe about Him does make a difference. And so I've been excited to study with you, to reveal, to expose, to maybe express, and to get our minds around the knowledge of the holy, as A.W. As a. Tozer describes God. And how are we going to do that? We're going to fill in the blank to this sentence, that God is, and then each week we're going to look at, at, at a different character. How would you finish that sentence? It was interesting, I uh, posted online, uh, and it's kind of fun, the, the journey that I've been on with Facebook, and I'm a new, I'm like maybe four or five weeks, something like that, and, uh, and it's kind of neat. But I, I posted just the kind of look that Bonnie made uh, for us uh, online, and all, like within minutes, people were like answering the question, you know, who God is to them, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And so we put out the question, how would you finish that sentence? And I believe uh, what you believe about that blank has a lot to do with your success as an individual. Understanding what you believe about God affects everything in your life. Now, this is not a series about promoting doctrine or even promoting the church. If you're seeking, if you're exploring uh, Christianity, this would be a great place for you. And if you're here this morning, we welcome you in that, in that way. I just also want to say that if you know people that are seeking or looking or are kind of interested in spiritual things, this series, I believe, would be an encouragement along their journey as well. So we would say, come and join and grow with us, friends and family. This is a safe place to learn. But again, the primary goal for us, there's kind of two things that we're going to try to hit hard each and every week. And number one is to think more about God to think more about God. I believe it's our job, uh, our responsibility as believers to have Christ on our minds, that it would be on our tongues, that as we think about it, that we would be able to communicate uh, what we're thinking as well. And then the second is that there would be a desire to be more like Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And you put those two together, and I just want to make note right up front that we are using God and Jesus or Holy Spirit interchangeably throughout the series. And that's an important distinction to make sure uh, that you know. But if we think more about God, if we desire more of Jesus, we will become more like Him. We will grow, we'll become more healthy, and I believe, again, what we believe about God will affect the way that you live your life. Okay, so in the preparation of kind of getting ready over the last couple months, I knew that we were kind of headed in this direction. Uh, several people have recommended a book to me. So just a little book. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy, kind of made reference to that earlier, by A.W. Tozer. It is a classic, and I want to encourage you. You can go online. You can get a copy of this. Read along with us. There are 
um, several attributes of God um, that, that will be covered, 23 of the uh, chapters, short chapters, easy to read. And we're going to be using it as a resource you can kind of track with us. But it's interesting, he starts his book, A.W. Tozer, with a quote. And uh, what's interesting is that the people that recommended this book, they all recommended or they all referred to this quote. And uh, A.W. Tozer is known for it. But listen to what it says. This is A.W. Tozer. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, let, just let that sink in for a second. Because you read that kind of at first blush. It's the first sentence of the book, uh, of chapter 1. When, we, when it comes to our minds, when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. And I'm like, really? Okay. Is that, is that really true? What we believe about God What's interesting, it's not always obvious. You may communicate things about God that you've read or heard, but what you really believe sometimes are, are hidden under religious ideas or hidden under traditions. Our views at times will be distorted by maybe abuse of Scripture and someone that took a Scripture out of context and tried to make it say what they wanted it to be. Or maybe Scripture was misrepresented, whether it was intentional or unintentional. In order to get to the truth of what we believe or what I believe or what you believe, it may take some serious self-probing to know, what do I actually believe about God? What do you actually believe about God? You may say, God is good or God is kind or God is nice, right? But what you really believe may be more like this, that God is mean or mad at me or disappointed. And we need to understand that God is not a God up in heaven with a big hammer looking to whack us when we mess up. His, he's love. And I would ask a couple questions this morning. A good question is, does your concept of God line up with Scripture? Or is even Scripture a good place to look to find out the, the concepts of God? I believe it is, absolutely. Or how well do you know Him this morning? Do you know God's will? Are you certain that you know God's will? Because I believe that we can discern that through God's Word. Do you know what God likes or what He dislikes? Do you know His hobbies? Do you know where He lives? Do you know where He works? Can you walk into a room and sense if God is working, if God is moving? How well do you know Him? What does God do with His spare time? Is He married? Does He have kids? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you could ask all kinds of questions. But to get the answers to some of these questions, we are going to attempt to do something, to attempt to comprehend an incomparable, or an incomprehensible God, excuse me. And an incomprehensible God, the only way we can understand Him is with the help of the Holy Spirit. And as we journey through this, uh, th through this journey, where I'm praying that we'll stir up a yearning inside of us, a longing to know what really can't fully be known. 
to kind of uncover and to desire, to comprehend the incomprehensible, to touch and to taste what is approachable, but maybe not fully approachable at the same time. There's a, there's a uh, phrase in Scripture, when deep calls to deep. And that's what we want, is to stir it up, our understanding. And in that yearning, our souls will sense the origin of God, that we would long to return to the source, to God, to understand who He is. And the way that's going to happen is only found through Christ. God, through His revelation, has declared certain things to be true about Himself. And what we would call those are the attributes of God. And this really is a series about looking at the attributes of God. And uh, you, at first blush, you say, ah, oh, we're going to talk about the attributes of God. That may seem dull or boring, but it's not. It's actually sweet and has gr- it's a great spiritual exercise. Others may say, well, that, that doesn't sound, or that sounds real heavy or real, real deep. And do we really want to go there? And I want to say that, yes, it's a little deep. It's a little heavy, but it's also extremely practical. And it, I believe it has the potential to change our lives and to help us. And especially if you're thirsty for God, I don't think there's anything else in, in the world that would be better to sit and to think about than our God. And this summer, as you read through Scripture, as you're in your own devotion, I'm going to encourage you to be looking for the attributes of God. Over the past several months, as I've been reading different things, in fact, it was interesting, as we were finishing up the series on, uh, on the reading through the Bible, I was already kind of, uh, had my mind in tune, and there are attributes of God riddled through Scripture, and uh, it's a wonderful exercise in your own Bible reading to be looking for some of those things. So what are attributes? The root of attributes is actually from the Latin, and the at means to, and then the tribute is, means something that is bestowed. So you kind of put those together. Attributes is to bestow what is due someone. For our purposes, I, I like this definition. It's a mental concept. It's something that we, we consider, an intellectual response to God's revelation. And you may be, you're asking, well, wonder how many attributes there are of God. Well, they are everywhere throughout Scripture. I already mentioned that. And in some hymns back in the olden days, uh, there's, a, there's a hymn by a guy named Faber that describes that there are 1,000 attributes to God. Charles Wesley says the, the attributes of God are numberless. You can't put your finger on it. How many is really not the question that we should be asking. That's not that important. It's, instead, it's God. Reveal those attributes to us and let them change us and help us to know more about you and then to desire more of you. But there's a couple examples I want to just kind of flip through uh, with you. If you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 34 to start. Exodus chapter 34, uh, verse 6 uh, it's a scripture here that kind of describes, just going to look at just a couple. This is G, uh, God, he's passing before Moses, and, uh, and he's about to share some things. But listen to what it says. It says here, it says, 
Uh, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And in there, there are seven attributes right there in that scripture. Now flip with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Another place where there's kind of a list of these, and this is just a couple very small samplings. Now listen what it says. It says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And these are, this is describing who God is. Now, one that we may not automatically have thought of originally, but I want to kind of get your mind thinking in, the re- in this way. So when you're reading, you can be like, okay, I see some attributes of God. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, very familiar. It's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of God, the attributes of God. What is God? The, but the fruit of the Spirit, God is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. Now what's interesting, the Bible describes in many, many places who God is. What God is like. And as we get our minds around Scripture, we will begin to see uh, what it kind of shapes and molds. At the same time, another interesting exercise is to say, okay, if it describes who God is, is there places in Scripture that describe who the enemy is? And I believe absolutely. Let's look just a few verses above that in verse 19. It says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. All right, so you can put, so the acts of the enemy are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the like. There's a great list that would describe what the enemy, what Satan is all about. What are his attributes? And again, I want to encourage us through this summer to be looking for some of these things. Now, it's important that we have a good understanding, that we study uh, well to get to a place where we have a proper view of God. And if we don't have a proper view of God, if we have wrong ideas, an improper view of God, or concepts of God, what Tozer says, it leads to every kind of evil. Very interesting. Think it. Think about it. Every sin, all problems, are linked to wrong thinking about God. Just think about this last week, maybe a time when you slipped up. I don't think any of us probably made it through the week perfect, except my wife. (laughs) So this is not going to apply to you. But think about it, that if Let's say you, 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 you know, succumb to, to temptation, or maybe you let anger get the best of you, or you were um, you know, speeding down the road, or yeah, I don't know whatever, your, you know, whatever your thing was, whatever it was. But think about that statement. 
that every sin, all problems are linked to wrong thinking about God. That if you thought about God in the proper context and really understood that, it would keep us from sin. It'd be, it, would, it would put us into a place, because if we're sinning, it's rebellion against God. Really, wrong thinking, evil and sin. Very interesting. So if that's true, then the right concept of God is not only a basis for systematic theology and for practical Christian living, I believe that the right concepts of God are foundational for our future, both personally and corporately. What you think about God will predict your future. What we think about personally, think about it. If you think that God is against you, you're going to live your life that way. If you think God uh, is, uh, is not who He is, uh, it's going to give you a distorted view of how you're going to live. Think about it as a church. If we think God will heal or save, or if God is, um, you know, what's important to God, if we, if we get our mind around that, that will predict the way we live, the way our church exists. What the church will look like in 10 or 15 or 30 years from today will be determined by what we believe about God. And if the concepts are right, if we have a high view of God, that's a great foundation to build on. But if it's out of whack, if we have a low view of God, whether we admit it or not, that foundation will be weak. So my prayer, my hope, is that we'll be stretched together, that we'll be able to challenge one another in conversation, that we would allow ourselves to wrestle a bit, and then we'd come to a place, and this is important, where we'd respond to who God is and what we believe about it. We would respond with respect and with reverence, that we would, sur- we would surrender to God, and that we would ultimately fall in love with God over and over and over. And so that's my heart. And that's what we're going to try to do over the summer. And we're going to do that each week, and we're going to kind of bring a, a piece uh, each week uh, into the puzzle. Of course, this will not be comprehensive, but just be praying with me as the Lord kind of continues to lead and guide that we would hit the ones that are going to make the biggest impact in our lives. And the first one we want to look at, the first fill-in-the-blank, so to speak, and I want to kind of transition into that. And this one is kind of interesting. It's really, when you read uh, literature on the attributes of God or the characteristics of God, um, this one is not really typically uh, written, but it's more just implied or assumed. But I didn't want to assume anything. I want to kind of start at the beginning that God is a person. God is a person. Some of you are saying, yeah, I know that. Others of you are saying, really, he is a person? Uh, and, and, uh, but he is not some cosmic creature. God is a person. He is not a force. He is not an it. He is a person. And we get that. We understand that from Scripture. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. At the very beginning, God created all these things. And when he decided to create human beings, listen to what it says. In in Genesis chapter 1, 
verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us, he's talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there, let us make man in our image. Everyone say image. In our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the seas and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, over the creatures uh, that move along the ground. Verse 27, And God created man... In his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. He created us in his image, in his likeness. And so when you wonder, what does God look like? He's a person like us. Now, some of the things about God are communicable, They are transferable. We can be like God. But there are some things about God that are non-communicable. For example, eternal. When we talk about God being eternal, that means he had no beginning and he has no end. Well, we were all born at some point. We had a beginning. Now, is it true that we are eternal beings, that we will live forever, either in heaven or hell? Absolutely. Spiritually, we will live forever forever. Uh, for eternity. Now, what about omniscience, all-knowing? We know that, we'll, and we're going to look at some of these uh, through, the, through the series, that God is all-knowing. Well, you will never be all-knowing. And the closest thing we get to that is our mothers here. Uh, I remember my mom, <laughs> Jessica, you got a little bit of this, but my mom, she knew things. And I'm like, how do you know that? Well, I'm your mom. And it just is the way that it is. How about omnipotent, that God is all-powerful? You will never be all-powerful. Some of you are pretty strong, but never all-powerful. And I think the closest that we get to that is a young boy's view of his dad. My son right now, he's not here, and I, I just, I mean, I love Logan. But am I right, Jess? There's, I don't think he thinks I could make any wrongs. I mean, yeah, well, maybe not that. But, but he thinks I'm all-powerful. He, he comes up with ideas, and, and he's like, Dad, you can do this, right? He doesn't think that I have limits, and uh, I love it. And uh, at some point, at some point, some of you that have teenagers or grown, you know, that's not always the case, but uh, that's probably the closest we get to all-powerful. How about infinitude, forever? You know, God is these things. But we were created in that image. And so we can get a picture of who God is. I can love because God loves. I can be kind because God is kind. I can be full of faith because God is a God of faith. God is a person. But let me just warn you, God is not human. He's not human. He was, Jesus was, fully God, fully man, for 33 years, am I understanding? I understand that. But, but God is a person. And God, Jesus, he has likes and dislikes. He can be sad. He can be glad. He can rejoice with us. He can also be grieved. He can grieve. He can be happy. In fact, this morning, as we were worshiping, I, I kind of uh, looked around, and sometimes I do that in worship, just kind of get a pulse how things are going. And Brendan, you get a eye, bird's eye view and uh, as we kind of engage in worship. But you know what? When we're worshiping God, when we're singing His praises, He's happy. You realize that? We can make God happy. He loves that about us. 
Did you know that God has feelings? The scripture says that he cares for us. He loves us. But not only does he love, he also hates. He forgives, but he also carries out vengeance. He can be angry, but he's usually more full of mercy. He listens and he talks to us. You cannot communicate with a force (laughs) or an it. Some people try. Yeah, I've, I've seen people that have a garden. They might talk to their flowers, uh, something like that. Um, have you ever seen people talking to their car like, you idiot, <laughs> you know, stupid car, you, know, you, you hit your car. Or I've seen people talk to their TVs. I mean, I've seen that a lot. <laughs> and I'm not pointing any fingers, but I've, you know, I've seen Rick Ebling yell at the TV. I'm not sure why, but when certain, certain plays happen, it just happens. You know, you're, you're yelling at the TV. Now, I'm not going to go here. I'm just going to touch on this for a second. You can't communicate with a force or an it. We agree with that. So where do animals fall? I don't know. There is a a theory that all dogs go to heaven, but we're not going to cover that in this series. But the point is, is that God, he wants to communicate. He wants to wake up with you and to walk with you. He wants to tuck you in at night and be the first one to greet you in the morning. He is a person. And if that's true, if our understanding of Scripture is true, it brings more understanding to what God said in the Ten Commandments. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. It's important that we understand if God is true or if God is a person, we understand then that God is as he puts some rules or some encouragement in our lives, the Ten Commandments, why these bring bring some significance to it. Let's look at verse 3. It says, You shall have no other gods before me. You know that the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. Verse 4 says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath. No idols. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. And then, of course, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The point here is that we are to respect and to protect God, the view of God, our concept of God. And when we make idols of any any form in our lives, it goes against what God would desire for us. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 115. 115. We know that there's lots of different idols that, that kind of creep into our lives. You could, uh, there's a whole slew that we can uh, get caught up in. And uh, some can be healthy on the, on the surface, but uh, can become unhealthy. Some are just unhealthy right out of the, right out of the gate. But listen to what uh, David it says here in Psalm 115, talking about idols. He says, but their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of God, or by the hands of men. All idols are man-made. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Verse 8, those who make them will be like them. 
Interesting. And so will all who trust in them. Idols do not have breath or smell or sight or hearing. But in retrospect, or the flip side, is that God, who is a person, has ears, has eyes, has a mouth, has a nose, has hands and feet. We find that in Scripture. Idols cannot watch over you or speak to you, but God can. And He holds us when we're afraid. He comforts us when we're worrying about our kids. He cries with us when we're hurting. He hurts when we hurt. When we experience different things in our lives, He's right there with us. He cares. And you know what? He hears us when we pray. God knows that you exist. Uh, the word this morning, the, the encouragement this morning from Eva was that God knows. And He knows because He is alive. Verse 8 says that all those uh, who make them will be like them. So if you are making idols, you will die with them. You'll be spiritually dead. But instead, the encouragement is that the closer we get to God, the better that we will be able to hear Him and to know Him. And that's what God wants for each and every one of us. God wants a personal relationship with us. He wants that. And in that word personal is the word person. And we see that all throughout Scripture. There's a, uh, uh, an assignment I want to give you that before next week, I'd love for you to read Colossians chapter 1 and 2. Uh, read those first two chapters and how it describes Christ's uh, relationship with us. We don't have the time to look at all of it, but uh, in Colossians 1.27, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's an incredible uh, revelation there that when we receive Christ, when we have Christ living on the inside of us, number one, it helps ourselves. It gets us to a place where we cannot get on our own. It's a blessing for us to know God, to be with God, and to understand that a living and active, powerful God is living on the inside of us. Christ in you, it blesses you. But also, it brings hope for others. It influences others, and it, we have the ability to be a light. That God would use us in a place that God living inside of us would bubble up and over to affect those around us. And the third is that it gives us power. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's power and authority over the enemy. There's power and authority over the enemy. And so this morning, in this series, this summer, we're going to say, God, help us to put our minds around who you are and help others when they look at us that they would be able to say, I see God in Pete, in Jessica, and Reagan, and Monty, and Samantha, and across the, each and every one of us, that I see God in you. That we would not only 
have the conversation going, who is God? But then we would also take that second step and that we would desire more of Him. So this morning, as we come to a close, what is the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to you this morning? What nugget of truth can you take from here and say, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on? What would you believe God for over the next two months? Saying, God, I want to be more healthy at the end of the summer. How can you grow more healthy? How can you come to grips with who God is to get your mind around the idea that God is a person? How does your thinking, your concept of God, need to change? Have you thought of God as uh, being mad or angry or some distant force? Are you willing to explore what Scripture says about who God is? Are you willing to do some self-probing, to not only have a, a rote answer like, yes, God is good, we know that, or we, we're, that's what we're supposed to say, but deep down you feel differently? Are you willing to explore and say, what do I really believe about God? What do I believe? Again, what is God speaking to you today? And I think in this series, it's important and for me and for you, to kind of answer the question, so what? So if God is a person, what does that mean? Well, to me, as I was reflecting, it means that He cares about my life. I can look at my life and how God has helped me, and He's cared for me. He's protected me. Not only that, He wants a relationship. He desires that of me. And my responsibility is to make myself available, to be vulnerable to an almighty God, a relationship. And also, when I think about God being a person, my choices matter. If I thought God was just some force or some thing or some, you know, it, how many know that you know, when we think about you know, if I go kick my car, you know, I might put a dent in it, right? Or I might bust out the window, and I walk away, and that, that car has no feeling, right? Right? But if I did that to my wife, that'd be unthinkable, right? Because she's a person, and I care about her, and I would, I would, I would never do that. But my choices matter. And what I want us to understand is that, that it's the things that we decide to say or to do in regards to our walk with the Lord or in, even in our relationship with other people, our choices matter to God. Why do they matter? Because God is a person and they affect Him. And again, so what? God is a person. He is not a distant force. He is right here. And this morning, I believe that he desires a relationship with us. Not only, number one, to receive him initially, to surrender to him, but also for us to really explore and to return to the source. The way we find about who God is is by going to his word and saying, God, reveal yourself to me again. Deep, 
calling to deep. And so, Brennan, I'm going to ask that you come, and we're just going to spend a, a couple moments here together kind of contemplating these things. What is God saying this morning? He's saying to you, I'm a person, and I care for you. And the first thing I want to ask is this morning is if you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you are away from God, if you, uh, you're understanding, if God is drawing you, you feel a tug in your heart that you need to have a right relationship with Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity to surrender. And that's what it is. It's just saying, God, I'm taking my hands off my life. God, I want you to move in my heart, into my life, to live on the inside. But as we often say, God is a gentleman. He's not going to just force his way in. The Bible describes that Jesus, he stands at the door and he's knocking. And if this morning he's knocking on your door and you, are, you would be honest enough to say, you know, Pastor, I don't know if I were to die today if I would spend an eternity in heaven. I want to give you that opportunity. In fact, if you, that's you and you're saying, yes, I'd like to give my life to Jesus, would you just be bold enough to just to lift your hand? I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Maybe with every eye closed and head bowed. Yeah, who else? Yeah, thank you, brother. Who else this morning would say, that's where I am today? I want to know this God that you're talking about. If that's true, I want to know. Anyone else responding this morning to surrender? There was one young man that raised his hands, and I'd like to, to do an exercise together to encourage him not to single him out. But let's pray a prayer of salvation, a miracle prayer. And it's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's the belief in our heart. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, the, the Bible says, right? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We understand that. We can get our mind around that. And this morning, for this young man, let's encourage him. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come in to my life. Take away my sin. Please forgive me. I believe in you. And I know that you've been pursuing me. And this morning, I surrender. I surrender to you, a real person. Come into my life and make me clean. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, amen. Love it. Amen. 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 Praise God. The second thing that I think applies to all of us is that we would return to the source. How do we find out about God? We find out about God in His Word and spending time in His presence. And a couple of songs we sang this morning, we're talking about all that God is. And 
And uh, Brennan, would you lead us in that song that you're playing, The Greatness of Our God? And uh, I'm going to ask that you would stand this morning. And uh, as we consider kind of returning to that source, bringing our minds back to God, maybe there'd be more application in this song after what we've shared this morning. But let's sing it from the bottom of our hearts this morning, and then we'll close and we'll wrap it up. Praise God. No sky. And no sky contains, no doubt restrains all you are, the greatness of our God. I spend my life to know, and I'm far from close to all you are, the greatness of our God. next part just says, give me eyes to see more of who you are. Make that your prayer this morning. Give me eyes to see more of who you are. May what I behold still my anxious heart. Take what I have known and break it all apart. For you, my God, are greater still and no sky contains no doubt restrains all you are the greatness of our God I spend my life to know and I'm far from close to all you are the greatness of our God give me grace to see beyond this moment here to believe that there is nothing left to fear and that you alone are high above it all for you my God are greater still Out restrains all you are, the greatness of our God. I spend my life to know, and I'm far from close to all you are, the greatness of our God. One more time, and no sky contains, no doubt restrains all you are, the greatness of our God. I spend my life to know, and I'm far from close to all you are, the greatness of our God. Now just tell the Lord how great he is. Lord, we love you, God. You are incredible, God. Answer that question, God is, and just communicate that to him right now. God, you are awesome. You are all-powerful. You're the great I am. You're the King of kings. God, you're the Lord of lords, the bright and morning star. Great. You are my provider. Lord, you are incredible. 
you're faithful, you're loving, you're gracious. Oh, God, and we worship you, Lord. Our response is to turn to you, God, and to allow you to work in our lives, to not only to think about you, to talk about you, but to grow in you. Lord, change our hearts. Help us to live our lives in a way that reflects our belief of you, that it goes beyond our head knowledge and moves to our heart. And God will give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, go before us, behind us, and all around us. And Lord, help us have a wonderful week for your glory and your honor. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, this morning, the altars are open. We're going to just continue to worship here. And uh, if you want to respond, if you want to be prayed for um, and anointed with oil, uh, please come. Uh, you don't have to hustle right off. Uh, but otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you and thank you for being here. And let's keep the conversation going. Who God is? What does God mean? How would you answer that question? God is.